Psalm 84 is a psalm that it's going to require me, or I feel that it requires me, to do a little bit of a backstory with it, okay? You're going to need to understand what was going on in Israel, and, and then we'll talk about how it applies to us today in the church. But I want you to hang with me, okay? And I want you to understand this morning that blessed are those who trust the Lord, walking uprightly in his strength until they appear before him. Okay, blessed are those who trust the Lord, walking uprightly in his strength until they appear before him eternally. In Psalm 84, it says, To the choir master, according to the Giddeth, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Okay, and so the sons of Korah we'll get to here in just a minute. But this psalm is written as a pilgrim traveling to the temple to make his offerings. And so now I want to just back up with you historically in time, and let's work our way up until this psalm happens. So the exodus has occurred. The children of Israel are out, and they're in the wilderness. And in the book of Exodus, God tells the children of Israel, you're going to appear before the Lord three times a year at the temple. Okay, Once you get into the land and you build the temple, there's three times a year that I want every male in Israel to appear before the Lord. The first time would be at the, first, the, the Feast of First Fruits, which is in the midst of that seven-day festival uh, of the Passover and unleavened bread. Okay, so there's, so there's some first grains that come off. They're, they're, not, they're not the whole grain harvest. They're just the first fruits that are offered. Okay, and that happens at the Passover. So everybody was supposed to gather for that. And then, 50 days later, they were to bring in the harvest, the grain harvest, and they were to bring their tithes in for the grain harvest 50 days later. That's at the feast we typically call Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, because there were seven uh, weeks plus a day, so 50 days. Later, they were to appear and they were to make their offering their grain offering. Okay, And then the final one that, that, that everyone was supposed to appear was the Feast of Tabernacles. And that was when they would gather the grapes and the olives, so kind of the fruits of the land would be harvested in the fall, and they would bring all those to the temple and make an offering. Okay, So I say all that to say that if you're just a regular guy in Israel and you live in the tribe of Dan, which is kind of the northernmost part, you're not appearing at the temple. The temple's not something you see every day of your life, like somebody that was living in Jerusalem, okay? And so three times a year, everybody's supposed to gather, and God made a promise. He says, look, if you do this faithfully, I'll protect your homes while you're away from them, right? Because that would be a serious concern, if you leave your home for this, you've got to travel down there, appear before the Lord, and then go back. Okay, so we, we have that pilgrimage that has to happen for, if you will, the common Israelite. He's just a commoner, and he has to appear before the Lord three times a year. And this psalm is about a pilgrim who really enjoys that. I mean, it's something that it, he actually gets to go in the temple, which represented the presence of the Lord. And so now 
The second thing we need to understand uh, beyond the pilgrimage is that there was a temple made, and the temple was made to represent the presence of God. And, and it was something that when Moses, back here when they came out of Israel and he was up on Mount Sinai, God gave him a pattern for the tabernacle, which was a tent that would travel with the Israelites until they got into Israel, and then they were to make a temple. <laughs> and so it represented the presence of God. So, and he told him in Exodus, uh, when, when they built this temple, he says, it's this, this is so that I can dwell among the people. And so then there were sacrifices that had to be made, and there was one day of atonement that would cover the, sacri- the, the sins of the people for a whole year and that type of thing. So the temple system was set up to represent the presence of God. And so this Israelite who's making this pilgrimage with his tithes of either grain or fruit or the first grains, first fruits, if you will, those three times a year, he's making this pilgrimage and he's going to get to appear before the Lord in the temple. That's, that's the imagery that's presented in this psalm. But we, he mentions that there are these sons of Korah, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Who are those guys? Well, when King David became king, he appointed the sons of Korah to be singers in the temple. So they were in the temple all the time, singing God's praise. And so this was a, a common occurrence for them to be in the temple representing God's presence. And so they're before God singing to him all the time, unlike the pilgrim who's traveling. Okay, So now, when God gave Moses... The temple structure, he says, make it according to the pattern I showed you in the mount. The pattern is, it's actually a picture of God's presence in heaven. Okay, and so in the book of Revelation, we see almost all the articles of the temple talked about when John is taken up into the presence of God. And so if you will, the temple was like a little scale model, almost a summer home away from home wasn't the real thing, but it was like the real thing, and it represented the real thing, but it wasn't quite the real thing, okay? So it represented the presence of God in heaven. You got the, the singers that are in the temple. Three times a year, this pilgrim is going to make his pilgrimage, and we read to the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Let's go ahead and read through this psalm, just all the way through, and then I want to kind of take a turn, if you will, to the New Testament, and for us as believers, what this psalm is going to represent, and then we'll go through it again. Psalm 84, verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, my soul longs. Yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. This pilgrim's not dreading going to the temple. He can't wait. He can't wait. Verse 3, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. 
Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. So the temple was built, and it didn't have a roof. So the birds of the air could come in, right, and dwell there. And so he's saying the birds get to dwell there all the time, but also these sons of Korah, they get to be there all the time. So verse 4, he's speaking of these sons of Korah. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. How great would it be to, to be one of those guys, is what he's saying. They're there all the time. They're like these little sparrows, singing in their nests. So the first blessed that we have here in this psalm, there's three of them. Blessed are those who dwell in your house forever. But now he's going to turn... And talk about himself and other pilgrims who are traveling there in verses 5 through 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. And Zion's just another word for Jerusalem, for the dwelling place of God. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Now, we don't know where the Valley of Baca is. Okay? It's kind of named after a tree. Its entomology speaks of weeping. And so because of the context, we believe it was a it's to represent a difficult journey, typically dry and full of weeping. But as the pilgrims travel, they're a blessing. They make it pools of water there. They make it a place of springs. But not only that, God blesses them with rain as they travel on their way. And so these pilgrims are going through difficult places, but they are being a blessing and being blessed as they go. Going from strength to strength, trusting in the Lord. And then he turns and he asks the Lord for protection as they travel. He says, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. Okay, the anointed would be the king. The king dwells in Jerusalem, and he is their shield. He's the one who is protecting the nation of Israel, and in particular, he's protecting the temple area so that these pilgrims can make their pilgrimage. If the, if the nation goes away, then they can't be in the presence of God in this way with the temple. And so... He says, Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. Now, when the Bible talks about looking on the face of someone, if God is to look on somebody on their face, that means they're in favor with him. How do you know when you were young, how did you know you were in trouble with your parents or, or, or maybe you're in trouble with your spouse? They won't make eye contact with you, right? They won't look at you. But when God looks upon you on your face, it is a sign of his blessing, his approval. So, they're asking for favor upon the one who is protecting Israel. Why? Well, he gives us two reasons in verse 10 and 11. He says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. He's looking forward to this day, just spending a day in the presence of the God so much, but he, he, he's looking forward to it so much, it, it's worth more to him than a thousand days ever in, anywhere else. This one day means that much to be in God's presence. And it means so much that he'd rather lose his status, just be a doorkeeper, be a servant in God's house, than to dwell, to be the one who has a tent and has significance among the wicked. And then notice the permanence. He'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than in the tent of the wicked. This life of wickedness, a life of wickedness will not be worth it in light of eternity. So the first reason is just how important it is to him one day in your presence. And then he says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. His second reason there is that God is the one who gives blessing. If you want to be blessed, then walk uprightly before the Lord. He he doesn't withhold good things from people who are trying to walk uprightly. He gives us all we need to walk uprightly in this world. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. And so I said before, I want you to see that blessed are those who trust in the Lord, walking uprightly in his strength until they appear before him eternally. Because now, let's take this psalm and let's bring it into our day, because the thing of it is, is that we're really, as we think of the temple on earth, we're, we're shot forward to the time when we're in God's presence eternally. That's the blessing. To be in God's presence. And so, this world and its difficulties and trials and its dry places can be hard. But we can go from strength to strength until we all appear before God. So now let's look at this again. Let's do another run through, but let's do it from our perspective. Christ has come and and he has gave himself for our sins. And, and those of us who have trusted in him as our Lord and Savior, as our King, and the payment for our sins, we have a hope. And if you're here this morning and you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to. He is the hope that you have of standing before God, not for a day, but for eternity. So we read again verses 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. As we sang this morning, you are singing not to a dead God, not to a false God, but to the living God. Do you long to see him? The psalmist desires to be in the presence of the living God and to sing to him for joy Even the sparrow finds a home where she may nest at the altars of my king and my God. Sparrows were cheap. Sparrows were cheap. We have two 
two sayings of Jesus. One, he says, two sparrows are sold for a penny. But in another passage, he says, look, you can get five for two pennies. You got one penny, you can get two sparrows. You got two pennies, we'll throw in an extra. That's how cheap sparrows were. Not very valuable. Do you ever feel like a sparrow? Like you're just not much value? You've got a place in God's kingdom. You are important to God. Jesus said, you're worth more than many sparrows. God even knows the hairs of your head. He's numbered them. Like he knows you. He cares. God cares for his children. What a God. What a king. But he's not just any God or king. For the psalmist, he is my king and my God. And I ask you this morning, is he your king? Is he your God? Come to him through faith in Christ. And he says in verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. So for us here in the New Testament, as we consider this, who are the sons of Korah now? What's the equivalent? What's well, those saints that have gone on before? They're in the presence of God. They're not going to depart. Brother Howe, he's in the presence of God eternally. Roy, your mom, singing. Joanne Floyer, she's singing to God. When we look into the book of Revelation, we, sing a, we see a great multitude. The, Revelation 19.6, the voice of a great multitude. Like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. Christians who die before us get a head start in singing praise to the Lord who redeemed us. And I want to be careful here because we, we all have loved ones who have went, went on before. And we want to see them again. But that's not what heaven's about. We get to see Jesus. We're going to dwell in the presence of God. We're going to get to sing to him. Worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Truly blessed, verse 4, are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. In my father's house, there are many rooms, right? Like, I, I know we've had that misunderstanding that, in my father's house, there are many mansions, and people talk about, oh, I've got a mansion in glory and everything else. Like, and they're like, well, I've, I've got this mansion I get to live in. Well, listen, i got a room in God's house. You want to live out by yourself in heaven? I just don't think that's how it's going to work. I get to be in God's house, in his mansion, in glory. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. But... It's not just about those who have already went on before who are blessed. We're the pilgrims traveling to Zion, going through the valley of weeping and dryness and troubles. Sometimes there are glimpses of joy and satisfaction and pleasure in this old world, but mostly there's a lot of sorrow. A lot of pain. This world's not the ultimate. But we're traveling through it. And we're traveling like pilgrims. And we're, as the hymn says, marching to Zion. 
beautiful, beautiful Zion. Verse 5 through 7, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. God places his spirit within us. He dwells within us now. Like we're, we're like his little tabernacles. And we're being built, we are said, into a dwelling place for God. We're, going, we're, we're being built into a temple. Us and all the saints that have been gone on before, we're being built into a temple for God to dwell within. But right now, His Holy Spirit dwells within us. And, and Paul says, don't follow the law, but follow what? The Spirit's leading, right? Follow the Holy Spirit's leading and you'll never break the law. He says, we're, we're following the Spirit's leading as we're walking in... Uh, this path to Zion is in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And as we go, we make it a place of springs. We're to represent God, not just in this room this morning, but as we go about our way this week, as we go through the dry places and the hard things, we're to bless others. We're to dig a well so they can have springs in their lives. And as we go, we can ask for God's blessing of rain upon them because God blesses with rain not only the good but also the evil, right? And we're to do good to our enemies, Jesus says. As we go through this world, folks, we're to represent God in His strength and to be a blessing as we go. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. This old world can be hard, and we need one another, because sometimes we're not strong, and we're weak, and we need God's strength. I remember a Christian man I worked with going through the loss of his wife had sent him a little note. He wrote back, I'll never forget, he said, Jesus is my comfort, but Christians... Put flesh on his hands. Isn't that beautiful? We're the body of Christ. We're to minister to one another. And help us to get from strength to strength. Keep going. Hang in there. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. From strength to strength. And the thing of it is, is each one of us appears before God in Zion. Verse 7, the second part. Each one appears before God in Zion, he will save his people from their sins. Christians must follow the Spirit's leading as he guides them on their way. We should be a blessing to those around us. We should also be ready to receive a blessing as God blesses his children. But the Lord is going to be with us and keep us, keep us for himself. And then we see a request. That request to bless the king who protects Israel in the temple. Okay, well, who's the king for Christians? Jesus. Look favorably upon the king when Jesus appeared on this earth. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well, what? Pleased. He's got my favor. He dwells with God eternally at the Father's right hand. He rules and reigns. He is the king. And we honestly don't have to worry about God blessing his king anymore because as we gather and we represent his kingdom we have the king leading and guiding us <laughs> our king ever reigns 
And so we can look forward, verse 10, to being in his courts. This old world doesn't bring eternal satisfaction. It's just not going to. It's better to be insignificant here and be a servant here and have eternity to look forward to. And our king is a sun and shield in verse 11. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. As a father to a son, if, if I want my son to do something, I want to give him everything I can for him to succeed in what I want him to do. I mean, what kind of father would I be if I, if I gave him Mission Impossible, right? I want him to succeed. And so I give him what he needs to do the job. God, our Father, supplies us with everything we need to walk uprightly. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Those things, food and clothing. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your needs as you seek to serve in my kingdom and you seek to be righteous as I am righteous. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. His favor is upon his people. Verse 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. So this morning we want to remember the blessedness of those who are in God's presence permanently. They made it. And as you long for eternity in God's presence, remember that you are blessed when you trust the Lord, walking through this world uprightly in His strength until we all appear before the Lord in Zion. And so, folks, you may be here, and it may be a dry time, and it may be a difficult walk. I want to encourage you this morning like to be able to help you in whatever way I can and, 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 and be a blessing. And I pray that you too will bless one another beyond prayers if necessary. If there's finances or help that can be provided, let's, let's serve one another. Let's help one another because this world's not what it's about. We're not going to find gratification here like we will find there. In God's presence. Let's be faithful to the Lord and faithful to one another. Let's be led by the Spirit of God who directs us to follow King Jesus, who blesses the church with all she needs to walk uprightly on her journey to heaven. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are reminded this morning of how great you are, how aware you are. Uh, even of those whom the world seems to value very little, who seem insignificant but have importance in your eyes. Lord, we thank you for the favor that you showed King Jesus and then through him to us. 
those of us who have trusted in his sacrifice for our sins. Father, if there are some here this morning who are dead in their sins and trespasses, I pray that you will resurrect them, Lord. Open their eyes today. Help them to see their sin and their need for a Savior if they ever hope to be in your presence. Father, I pray that they'll turn from their wickedness and trust in Jesus as the Savior for their sins. And Father... For those of us who have turned and trusted, may we be reminded this morning of the joy of being in your presence and how it will be worth it all and that this world holds just temporary oases of joy as we go from strength to strength on our way to the promised land. Lord, may we be blessings to one another and to the people that we work with and the people that we live by. May we, may we bless them as you bless them, and I pray that you'll draw them to salvation. And Father, we look forward to that day when we no longer look through the glass darkly, but we see you face to face. And we bow and we sing, worthy are you to receive glory and honor and power. For yours is the kingdom forever. We ask it in King Jesus' name. Amen.